Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday and the start of a new sermon series. I'm here in the life of our church based on songs and scripture and just what it can mean for us to, to really dig into the message behind songs and, and really connect them to our faith. And so uh, we started off by talking about Build Your Kingdom Here, um, a song that just kind of has been an anthem and a, and a you know, just an important song in my life and my life of faith and when it comes to serving God. Um, so we're going to be digging into just some of the background of the sermon series and then also just a couple of times when building the king- kingdom of God has been a hard thing and, and and a struggle, but yet the faithful step that, that has to be taken. So let's get into it. Sounds good. Well, why don't we open this podcast with, uh, we didn't get to have our podcast last week. Um right. And so we didn't get to tee up this new sermon series. So why don't you open us with why you chose um, this sermon series? Sure. Um, so kind of part of the philosophy is that I like to do a fun series during the summer um, just because it's, you know, it's a little bit more of a laid back atmosphere in the summer around the church. Like we don't have we don't have a massive exodus of a summer slump, but we definitely feel it a little bit. And so it's just kind of a nice atmosphere to just do something that I hope is engaging. And just, you know, we all have those memories of that song during that summer. Um, you know, summer is known for really like blockbuster movies. And then every summer has like that one definitive jam. That's a part of a summer playlist that we still, you know, just think back fondly of. Um, like I remember very distinctly the summer of 1998, I was down in Omaha on vacation with some cousins and we were cruising around Omaha and it was who let the dogs out playing on the radio. And we, uh, we decided to change radio stations because we had just heard who let the dogs out like 20 minutes later. And we trade, we changed radio stations and guess what was playing on the radio? Funny. Who let the dogs out. And like, that is just such a definitive summer song. Um, and so mm-hmm. just what does it look like for us? Because we all have those moments of just sitting around listening to music and then just trying to like, you know, what does this song mean? You know? And mm-hmm. so the idea behind the sermon series is to do that with songs that are Christian based. Yes. But also in a couple of weeks, we're going to bleed over into more secular territory as well. And just like, what is the faith nugget, even from these songs that weren't intending to have a faith nugget, but yet we can still find the presence of God in the midst of them. And so uh, we started off with Build Your Kingdom Here. Um, you're going to be covering um, the Hymn of Promise next Sunday. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing um, You Will Be Found from Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, long cool woman, long cool woman in a black dress um, is a, was a was a congregant submission for their favorite song that I have then you know thought scripturally about, and then <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap it up with uh, his eyes on the sparrow. Um, so kind of digging, you know, kind of sh- weaving that line between sacred and secular, but w- w- but with music and just you know maybe bringing some ed- added depth um, to to songs that we like, but then also like by covering the secular songs we can find those god nuggets in different places that we weren't expecting Mm -hmm. so maybe the next time that we're thinking about a song or listening to a song and we hear something we're just like wait a second that reminds me of dot 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 from the bible and letting that be okay like the 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 original author may not have been intending any kind of faith connection but that doesn't that doesn't mean that they're not there 
And so how do we forge some of those ideas and how do we, I mean, and, and on, a, on, a, on a more meta level, how do we think about scripture, God's presence in the midst of all things? Um, and so, um, and how do we find God in the midst of all things and, in, and even in our music? And so that's kind of the idea behind the sermon series of why we're doing what we're doing. It's a fun, you know, it's a fun premise, I hope, and I believe it's faithful to the testimony of scripture. I kind of got the idea um, this happened a few summers ago when I was serving back in Burke and Herrick. We were at a church in Fremont, Nebraska, um, on vacation. And I'm kind of one of the things I'm, you know, that I say a lot, especially during the summer, is that if you go on vacation, there's a church by where you're going to go, and so you can go to church. You can do it. You you can do it. And so, um, being a you know uh, trying to practice what I was preaching, I went to or my family went to church at Fremont, Nebraska at United Methodist Church of Fremont, Nebraska, and they were doing the Summer Set List series. Um, They were doing it more based on the Psalms, but that kind of gave me an idea in the back of my head of like, hey, Summer Set List, Summer Hits, like like one of my favorite stations on Pandora, Summer Hits of the 90s, um, you know, because I'm old, you know, and um um, but just, you know, it, it just, and thinking about those, those moments of just really enjoying music, um, and just, you know, how do we, how does that then translate over into a life of faith? Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite Spotify channels is, is, uh, country hits of the nineties. So nice. you're not alone. So awesome. yeah. Yep. Cool. So build your kingdom here, build your kingdom here. A song, like like I said on Sunday, a song that I was ready to never, ever sing again after Seattle. But well, And then you came to our church and we sing it quite often. So there's that. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And like like in between those, like we sang it a lot in Brookings too. And then I introduced it to the church in Burke and Herrick and we sang it, you know, not frequently, but we sang it, you know, more than more than none uh, in Burke Mm -hmm. and Herrick. So. So it's yeah, definitely you can't, a song it's your own fault for not getting away from it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah, um, it's a great, great song and a great band. I really, I mean, I've liked Ren Collective for quite a while and then getting to see them live in concert was even better. And just, I just appreciate, you know, the, 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 the attention that they pay to, uh, to, to scripture in their songs and just making them singable for congregations. And then just, you know, all of theirs, I mean, you can buy their arrangements and stuff, but also they give a lot, a lot of free stuff just because they want sure. these. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they truly do want these songs sung in churches and, and used among congregations, um, not just to pad their own bottom lines, because again, they give away a lot of stuff, um, but really just to get the message out there and get the word out there and get, you know, get fun songs in congregations. So, mm-hmm. well, and I think you better tell your, uh, the story of when you bought your tickets and what you realized right before you went to said concert last year. I think it's hilarious. Oh yeah. So um, all I knew is that Ren Collective was coming to Sioux Falls. Um, and I looked at Lindsay and said, Hey, uh, do you want to come with me to the concert to go see Ren Collective? Cause it's one of our favorite bands. Uh, little did we know that they were not the main act of the concert. Uh, the, the, the main band that was coming was mercy me. Uh, so <laughs> I we just think it's hilarious. <laughs> we went to Andrew rip uh, Ren collective and mercy me. 
Um, and they were all fantastic. Um, but I mean, mercy me was really just like, just, just, it was a highlight for sure. Obviously that's why they were the top billing. So, but only the most popular of all time, right? You know, yeah, there's like maybe like, maybe for a reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit. So I think it would be valuable. I felt like the scripture was um a, was heavy. Yeah, or, definitely. Yeah, heavy may be the right word, but do you want to kind of run through that again, the scripture for the for this week? Sure. Yeah. So this is Luke 10. Um, this is Jesus sending out the 72. Um, you know, he has already, like I said on Sunday, he's already established himself as the son of God. He's always already established himself as the one that is the anointed one sent by God to do the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor to, you know, to, to right the wrongs, to, to be the Messiah, um, whether or not people are listening is another matter. Um, he's already called the 12. He's already sent the 12 out and they've come back, but he's realizing that the work is a lot bigger uh, than he, than even, even the 12 plus him, like there, there needs to be more, um, you know? So he starts, he says at this very start of the, of Luke 10, you know, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so pray to the Lord of the harvest um, for, for laborers. And so and that's when the 72 arise out of the prayers of the disciples and out of the prayers of the faithful of people responding to the God, to the call of God on their lives, even in those, in, in those very first moments. And so he's able to send these 72 into the world to prepare the way. Um, they go to prepare the way. Um, Jesus, like we said in scripture, Jesus intends to go to these places, but just in case he doesn't, because this is the middle of the gospel of Luke, just in case he doesn't, he's making preparations for, you know, reaching as many people as he possibly can, ensuring that this work goes on beyond him. Like, mm-hmm. because I think that, I think that he was realized, I mean, he's known the entire time, but I think he's realizing how fast it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that, that, that the end, the end is not nigh, but the end is pretty close. Um, and there's still so much that he wants to do still so many people he wants to interact with still so much that he wants to see. But just in case he doesn't, he wants these apostles. He wants these others to go forth. Um, to go forth and to go into the into the communities and tell the difference that he's made and to and really you know he gives them the instruction that you know they're they're com- going to be completely reliant on the hospitality of others like don't prepare yourself don't take more than you know two coats don't you know don't do all of these things but when you get there find the person of peace remain there if you're if you're received remain there but if you're not then you're not supposed to be there and just keep moving because you have territory to cover. You have work to do. Um, and just, you know, and they don't do it alone. They do it with his power. They do it in his name. Um, you know, but it's still, you know, it's, it's scary work that he's calling them to. He said, look, you're going to go, but I'm sending you in dangerous territory. I'm sending you like lambs among wolves which never ends well for the lambs, you know, because the wolves consume and destroy and, you know, and that's, that's similar to the work that that Jesus continues to call us to do. At the end of the gospel of John, Jesus says that you'll do greater things even than what I've done. 
And like that feels so impossible because it's Jesus, but yet there is that sense that the mission of Jesus is so much bigger than just him. It's the work of God in the world. And so, you know, that the, there's a reason why we continue to look to this text, especially to Luke 10, um, when it comes to responding to God's call on our lives and really doing the work of building the kingdom and building the kingdom here. So let's go back a little bit to um, when it talks about um when you're met with opposition to, you know, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. Yep. What do we do with that? Like how we're supposed to gather as many people as possible, right? Right. We're supposed to work to, you know, help people along. Mm-hmm. That seems contradictory. So how, how, are, how should we interpret that in, in our, um, just our interactions with others today. Right. I mean, I think that there is a level of acknowledging that maybe sometimes we're not the right person, um, that we, Mm -hmm. that we can't reach everybody. Um, that, that, you know, because of who I am, I can do what I can do, but because of who Eric is, Eric can reach people that clay can't. And rather than having ego or rather than having skin in that game, rather than like, you know, just saying, well, then they're a godless heathen and there's, there's no hope for them whatsoever. No, we knock the dust off of our feet and we keep moving. Like what we do with this text is that we do it. And it's, and like I said on Sunday, it's so much easier to hold grudges. It's so much easier to, 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 to blame and to, you know, never admit that maybe we're the problem. Um, but yet we're called to knock the dust off of our feet and, and keep moving and to not give up when we face that opposition. That's the biggest part of it is just to not, to not give up. Don't just, you know, wallow in our defeat. We rather, you know, knock the dust of uh, dust off of our feet, get up off the mat is it would be more, you know, uh, a phrase that we're more, more accustomed to, you know, dust yourself off and keep going rather than just, you know, fall into despair and never leave that place. Yep. 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 That's yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, I was working on a raw water project as a very young engineer and part of my job was to go around and meet with homeowners on where this was on a on a system in Montana. Um, meet with homeowners. This was a free system, so everyone in the area was going to receive real water as a part of the project. And but they still had the right to refuse. They could still say no. And as a twenty-two year old running around and doing this work and meeting with these people. When I would get told, no, I don't want it, I just couldn't understand. Right. Why on earth would you not take free, clean water directly to your house instead of hauling it, instead of having crappy water? I mean, so many things. It's water. Everyone needs it. It's it's just the way it is. Right. And they kept and they would just say no. And I would go back to them and they'd still say no. And I really struggled with just moving on. Because to me, it's a no-brainer. Right. Kind of the same thing here. These people who say no to Jesus, to me, is a no-brainer. And sometimes you can't change what people think. No matter 
they have to want to change themselves. And until they want to do that, you continually asking, in, at least in my opinion, and, and there's also some sales literature that says if you ask eight times, then they'll finally say yes. But right. But this is different than that, you know. It is, yeah. You can't badger people into the kingdom of God, right? You know, like that's that's not a thing. Like you know, you can continue to ask, you can continue to witness, you can continue to show up, you can continue to live out your faith. But yeah, there does there does reach a level where it's a a realization that it's not right now, or it's a realization that I'm not the person. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, is it hard for you to to be okay with I'm not the right person? Yes, um, it is. Um, just recently, um, I was having a conversation with a kid that was in the confirmation program because she had to be in the confirmation program when I was there. Um, but then when she got into high school, the next pastor that, that was that was with her in Brookings, like really just inspired her and fired her up. And like she was on CCY Conference Council Youth Ministry. She now works for the conference like she's, you know, her faith blossomed so much more under a different pastor. And I don't know if that was just her stage of life or what exactly it was, but you know, it is, it can be hard um, Mm -hmm. to, to not be, you know, to, to do all of the same things that another person did, but to hear it like really take hold in someone's life. Like 95% of me says, give thanks to God. But 5% of me says, why did it, why did it work now and not with me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, I mean, we we kind of had a moment during annual conference and in a, in a social setting, we were having some conversation and I had more impact than I thought I did is what all is, is how I'll end that conversation. So, good. yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure that's hard, though. It It, it is hard. I mean, but also, but that's where it's, it's, it's the knocking the dust off your feet and acknowledging that. And then there's also some stuff in, in, in Paul's writings where like, you know, people are like in Philippians specifically, people are like, well, it's not Paul. It's someone else preaching the gospel. And aren't you mad about that, Paul? And Paul says, who cares? As long as the gospel is being preached, who cares? Who cares? Tigar in Greek, who cares? And, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's an adaptation to get to that mentality, but it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost, uh, not only an adaptation, but, uh, maturing in your faith too. Yeah. Where you, you can be okay with other people doing equivalent work, essentially. Mm -hmm. We're called to work to do our best. Right. And so then we're trying to do our best. And it's not being received well. Yeah. That's hard. It is. It is. Which is, I mean, I really feel like knocking the dust dust off of our feet is supposed to be an encouragement of, you know, just not getting so bogged down Mm -hmm. in in our disappointment that we just say, forget the whole thing. Right. So have you run into areas where um you were trying to build the kingdom and you were met with some opposition yes yeah 
Um, so there was a kind of a, I mean, it almost felt like a throwaway line at the end of the sermon about, you know, like they're the, the reason why we sang the song so much in Seattle may have been because we did face opposition. Um, you know, there was a moment where um, we as adults were told that we were leading our kids to hell. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, there was a person of a certain. All right. Uh, can you expand on that? Yes. Yes, I will. Uh, so there was a person of a certain theological persuasion um, that like basically we were at our one of our service areas. Um, our time had ended, but our bus didn't show up because, of course, it didn't because that was like the half of the story of the Seattle mission trip was our buses being stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, not the drivers themselves. They were fantastic, but our actual buses just like breaking down constantly. Um, and also we ran in, we ran over a stump and we hit a parked car. It's fine. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Linda. Anyway. Um, no, so our bus didn't show up. And so like, we're like, well, we've got this time. We have a daily devotion that we have to do. So let's go ahead and do that. And we were doing our daily devotion and this adult person walked up to us or like walked up to our kids and started like asking them questions about the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's fine for a while until you heard the questions that they were asking them. And that's when the adults swooped into protection mode of like, okay, you need to get away from these kids right now because you are not a safe person. And like, if you know this, the, this certain theological persuasion, they have an opinion about what the Bible really says about who Jesus is. And because we were proclaiming Jesus to the kids as we understood who Jesus is as the literal son of God and not just a lesser God, um, um, we, we had to kind of like, we were then told that we were leading them to hell because we weren't teaching about Jesus. Right. Um, you know, but like bigger than that though, like we had an incident where, um, we were late to one of our sites and the guy that was in charge of it, I'm sure he was stressed out. I'm sure it was a long day for him too, but like he went straight up to the mean line with us and just, you know, you're terrible. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm mad that we're a part of this with you guys and you've been, you know, terrible to and just, yeah. And just all we wanted to do, all we wanted to do was paint beds in the homeless shelter to, to, to ward off bed bugs. Like that was our entire job that day. But again, because of our buses and um, certain circumstances, um, we were not on time to our site and our, the guy just completely blew up at us. So then I had a, before this, when I was still in college, we were serving the night watch canteen in Sioux Falls. It's a, it's a meal program through the Siouxland area, United Methodist churches, um, where they serve a hot meal in two different spots. And I was serving in one of the spots, like we were in the right spot. Like we checked the map, we checked the address, but, uh, one of the people that worked in the building that we were outside of came and just told us how wrong we were for feeding those kind of people that he didn't want. And he didn't want by his building. Like he rents a suite, like he doesn't own the building. He rents a suite, but like we were feeding homeless people, you know, he was just freaking out on us because we were attracting the wrong kind of people to his building. And just, you know, that was, oh yeah, it was real fun, you know? I wanted to respond in very unchristian ways, but thankfully there was a more mature adult um, present that could just say, you need to walk away because I can tell you're getting angry. And uh, so I did. And yeah, everyone stayed in their integrity. And now I just pray for that person um, when I think about it. So there have definitely been times when the work of the kingdom has not been easy. 
And yeah, there are people that stand opposed to God's kingdom being built. Yeah. How, you know, so like the, the Seattle trip was with youth. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that with the kids or how do the kids handle that? Those, those experiences. Yeah. So there was a lot of debriefing that had to happen after that of just like, you know, and digging into a, a very dense theological area that kids were not necessarily ready for, but had to mm-hmm. be because, you know, they were attacking the basis of their faith. Like this, this person right. was attacking their belief in who Jesus is. And like, when you're, I mean, when you're a Christian, that's pretty foundational to the rest of it, you know? And so we had to really just intentionally walk with, and have individual conver like it ended up being like having individual conversations with them and saying, okay, how are you doing? And really checking in and just saying, you know, and just, you know, just making sure that they were okay. And yeah, a lot of them were shaken by it, you know, and just, mm-hmm. you know, why, why did someone attack us? Because we wanted to, that was that day we were serving meals at Mary's kitchen um, a women's, a women's shelter that serves a, serves a community meal that has a thrift shop, um, and other, other things as well. Mary's place, not Mary's kitchen, but Mary's place. Um, and you know, that's all we wanted to do that day. But yeah, mm-hmm. here we were having to defend our belief that Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus is God. Like that John one what says what it says. Yeah. So doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's what we, we had to deal with mm-hmm. how about you eric have you re- have you faced resistance when it comes to the work of the kingdom that's a really big and vague question but that is a big <laughs> the biggest challenge that i have had was when you invite friends to church who are not currently churched mm. that just feel like they don't need it right and you try to tell them why and you know you give them your elevator pitch and it's just not well received. It's where you got to mm-hmm. shake off the sandals, right? Yep. Um, yeah. But when they're a friend of yours, you're like, cow, there's so much you're missing out on. And, but there's nothing you can do about it. You know, right. They're not willing to receive. They're not willing to receive. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that's such a huge risk too, especially with friends, because like that can be, I mean, I think we've maybe talked about this on the podcast before, but like that can be the end of the friendship. Like, mm-hmm. you know, well, you're a Jesus freak and you know, I don't want to be that way. Or you're a Bible thumper or you're, you know, attach any colorful name that we, that, that outside people have for we Christians um, or us Christians, um, you know, that can really, I mean, that, that, that's a huge step of faith. I mean, to witness to your friends like that. So, yeah. Other than that, no, not really. Um, and I don't know how I would handle that situation. I hope I'd stand strong and continue to do what I'm doing, but right. You know, some of the situations that you were in in Seattle and, Two falls and stuff. And I would hope that I would also have the um have the strength to walk away and not argue with the person, you know, or or something like that. That can be hard. 
It can be hard. Yeah. Especially like when you're filled with that righteous anger of like, mm-hmm. we're doing the Lord's work and you're a jerk. Like, right. yeah. Thank God Jesus loves everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we have a very interesting role reversal happening on Sunday because I get to go to church camp up in North Dakota to be with my Minecraft kids um, for, for a week in uh, North Dakota. And so Eric is preaching on Sunday. Uh, he's going to be continuing this message series by digging into a song. And so, Eric, want to tell us what song you've picked and uh, sure. where you think you might be hidden? Yeah, so next week we're going to do the Hymn of Promise. Um I would call it an oldie, but a goodie. But actually, when you look at the ear of that song, it's actually not that old, like 1985. Um, But it just, it talks about God's promises to us and and, um, the timing of those are not always what we feel like should be, but those those promises are always there for us. And we just need to receive them and and work towards them. Um, The song also has a a special kind of, special meaning to our family because that was one of the songs we sang to our kids when they were little. Um, and Nellie just latched onto that song and wanted to sing it every single night. And so it is also her birthday. And so we're going to use that song as, as the, the base of our, of the sermon and the, and the service. Yep. And we'll see where that goes. It's not written yet. So we'll see where that goes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. But so yeah, that's, awesome. that's what we're going to do on Sunday. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Comfort Time podcast. Join us again next week in church at 10 a.m. And then we'll probably be missing the podcast next week for church camp. And so then we'll hit you back again the next Sunday for Clay. And Clay will be back in the saddle at that point. So here we go. Very good. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.